Welcome to the Construction Insiders Podcast, where our host, Jessica Bush, talks with industry experts about new trends, best practices, and how to successfully deliver construction projects in today's market. Whatever your role on a project, we think you'll find these discussions interesting and worth your time. Thanks, Jason. All right, welcome to the Construction Insiders Podcast. This is our first podcast, and we're sitting down today with Pete Malucci. He has been with our firm for as many years as I can remember, but he's been in the industry for more than 30. He is a veteran. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to the MEP space and construction in general. So we couldn't think of anyone better to sit down with for our first uh, session here. He specializes in everything from HVAC to fire protection, plumbing systems, Cost estimating is his jam, and that's why we're here, to talk with him about the value of using published metrics when costing out and estimating these large-scale projects. All right, so Pete, when talking about these published metrics and the value they bring and the value that our clients see from using, from us using these metrics, um, what, what is that value? And, and why use them? Why not use just our own company metric? Um, why why go to these published these published sources? Um, thanks for having me. There's actually a few reasons. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm very fortunate. I've worked on a subcontracting end of the business uh, for many years, uh, and then I transferred over to the general contracting end of the business. And I've been about twelve and a half years with coming on the consulting end of the business. And what I'd learned in that time is that many of the different companies and groups in this industry are not fully aligned on their approach to how they're estimating or costing projects. So the subcontracting community takes one approach. Uh, the general contracting community will take a second. And on the owner's representation side that we are currently, uh, we take a third approach. And that's not even inclusive of all the other companies that have a homegrown or, or a proprietary method for costing and pricing. Uh, there's a lot of misalignment when we're comparing or discussing uh, in some cases, it's to the point where firms cannot even communicate as to what's included or not included because they, they have trouble even getting on the same page. Um, and, and that's something I'd realized over the years necessitates these published metrics to be more uniform across the industry. So it not only benefits us working with our partners, is also the end game going to benefit the client and the project and, all, and that whole process throughout is what you're saying? Yes, Absolutely. In other words, our clients can become frustrated because if a subcontractor has generated his estimate and he has different opinions as to labor or material, um, a different firm may not, and they've not constructed any of their estimates with, with those similar metrics. So it's, it, at that point, it becomes almost impossible for them to align. Whereas, an example, if a mechanical contract had been using MCAA standards for piping productivity, and say a general contractor reconciling or owner's representative used the same, uh, right off the bat from the beginning of the process, they're already aligned on which metrics they're using and the discussions can be more limited to multipliers or other aspects of their approach. So you just mentioned that one, that one method. Are there other metrics or other published metrics? Is there one universal or is there a handful? How do you navigate that and what does that look like? So that's a great question. Um, for example, you know, MCA I just mentioned is for piping. There's SMACNA, Sheet Metal Air Conditioners National Association, for sheet metal, uh, NECA, for electrical. Uh, those, those metrics are published. They're not uniform for every firm, but the majority of the larger firms that are doing more of the high-profile work, most of their estimating systems at the subcontractor level are set up on those published metrics. 
So it's the less granular firms, the general contractors, the owners reps are the ones that would more so need to get on board and establish their systems with tools, people, and metrics so that they can communicate and compare with the subcontracting community. Uh, it's not always uh, cheap to, to build your tools around that, but I think it's something that yields tremendous dividends. And if more firms were doing that, uh, it would eliminate a lot of the confusion and inability to, to discuss these projects. So you mentioned cost and it not being cheap. So is cost one of the reasons, the big reasons that these firms are not going to the universal metrics? Or is it just they've always done it one way and they don't want to convert? Seems like they everyone should be using these, these metrics and it's confusing as to why they wouldn't. Well, the smaller firms, in all honesty, trust some of their homegrown proprietary spreadsheets, databases, uh, productivity, items of that nature. Um, and they also may be reluctant to commit thousands of dollars uh, to set up tools, you know, to, to execute their estimating with those metrics. Um, it's, it's definitely possible. It's a big commitment. Uh, some of these softwares are not cheap. Uh, you need to subscribe to these metrics and you have to set up your organization on those metrics. And yes, that's one of the barriers to entry that would, that would make someone say, hey, do I really need this or do I not need it? And in all fairness, they may not be doing work uh, that requires it in some cases, a smaller firm or someone like that. Uh, they may not have a value. Um, smaller local projects, things like that, that wouldn't require that. Exactly. Okay. But I would have to believe that, you know, anyone who's working on these larger, higher profile projects, um, they, they would absolutely need to have, be within these published metrics uh, in order to communicate with the balance of, of the industry. Okay. And so, and, and just talking about, do you have some examples? Have you seen, I'm sure over your years, you've seen the successful kind of outcomes of using these universal metrics um, versus, you know, we don't need to mention any names, but if it, kind of a lessons learned of when, you know, not using these metrics um, has either caused major confusion or has been to a disservice of the client. You know, I'm sure you have quite a few stories <laughs> Uh, there's, there's an unbelievable amount of, of those types of circumstances. I'll just run you through a quick scenario mm -hmm. of, of a situation where, you know, one firm might be using these tools, another may not. So let's say we were to generate our estimate for an HVAC package and, you know, we're following uh, the published metrics for sheet metal, for piping, et cetera. We're using Harrison for materials and we have the appropriate discounts. Essentially, we're emulating what a subcontractor would actually pay for his material or his labor based on wage rates and productivity. Well, if there's a large disparity between ourselves at this owner's representation firm that we work for and say one of the contractors, uh, you need to vet that out and find the differences. So everyone would sit down and laptops come out and everyone's at a conference room table. Well, if one group is using these metrics and saying, hey, this is kind of the established metric, this is what it is. Um, you know, we'd only need to discuss a multiplier or, you know, what do you have versus what do I have? If, if you don't even have alignment in how you approach the productivity, as an example, you can't really discuss it. So I might say, hey, we're at a 0.9 of MCA across the board for our piping, and there's a 50% disparity. What did you guys use for MCA? Um, if they've, they have the published metrics inserted to their templates, their tools, they say, hey, well, we're actually at 1.2 because of XYZ reasons. Uh, but if they do not, the response is, well, we don't use MCA, and I don't know. Well, now we kind of come to a loggerhead. We're saying, well, Mr. Client, you know, here's the tools we've used. These metrics are industry standard. Um, I don't know. The contractor doesn't really have a metric. He's, he's not illustrating what he's used in Harrison or, or MCAA. How do we move forward to reconcile this? Or how do we move forward to resolve it? 
it just makes the situation that much more difficult and complex because you're not even playing on the same field at that point. Without that universal data, those universal numbers, I see. Okay. Yeah, or we could even call them universally accepted standards or practices. Uh, I think it's important to point out the, the published metrics, just because they exist, they can be modified with a, with a multiplier. So in other words, it all starts at, again, let's use MCAA, but you could be 0.8 or 0.9 or 1.2, depending on the severity of the project and, and how difficult it may be to, to install the work in question. Okay. And so you, you talk about these metrics a lot, and, but with what the nature of our business and what we do, people have a huge, huge part in these projects. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about, it's not just the tools and the metrics, it's the people, and, and how, do, how do those all kind of come together to make it successful? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, people have come up to me repeatedly and they've said, hey, Pete, you know, I'd love to build something along the lines of what you guys have done. Uh, it's fairly typical in the subcontracting community to be built on MCAA or SMACNA. Uh, it's not as typical in all cases on, say, the general, con general contracting community or the owner's representation firms. And some people wrongly believe it's just about setting up the database with those metrics. It's a big part of it. But, you know, it's also a question of what tools are you using? Are the tools able to quantify uh, down to those metrics? Uh, the people you have, um, you know, those are kind of the three aspects, right? The metrics, the tools, and the people. And I think the people is the most overlooked aspect of it. In other words, if you're not hiring people with that level of granularity that truly understand the metrics, understand the tools, and understand the scope of work to that level, uh, it's not going to succeed as they thought it would, just from simply subscribing to these or setting up their database, uh, it, it can work, but it's not the optimal approach. Gotcha. Okay. And then so talking about getting everyone on board, what would be your first step? If this was your dream world, how do you, how do you get the industry kind of all to go in one direction together? What would that look like? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a Herculean task. Um, I've, I've devoted a lot of my career, I guess my life, to kind of preaching uh, this approach, uh, like I say, a lot of the subcontractors are already structured that way. Uh, the general contractors, thankfully, they're, they're even more so than ever starting to adopt uh, these kind of metrics and tools and getting on board. I think on the owner's rep side or CM for fee that we are on, mm -hmm. um, we're seeing less adoption. Some are using means or other pricing books. Uh, that's better than nothing or, or just, you know, saying, hey, I have some empiric data that I've cobbled together. Um, you know, but they would need to all be on board. If the industry had more awareness of it through groups uh, and, uh, like ASPE and, you know, RICS is also another great group for, for quantity surveying. So getting industry groups on board and associations as well, you think would be helpful? Exactly. For example, the subcontractors will already contend, you know, hey, you guys aren't even using the metrics we use. Hey, you guys aren't even, you know, truly estimating it in the professional way that that's acceptable from my viewpoint. Um, you know, they have that criticism that perhaps the generals and the CM for fee firms, they just can't even be on that level. So you'd need to have the general contractors, the owners, representatives, all the other firms that are not going down to that, that level of granularity and using those metrics. You need them to adopt, to see the value, to invest in those tools, those people and those metrics. And then their deliverables and the estimates they're generating, they could be tied back um, and again, everyone or the majority of them in most circumstances, they'd be able to agree, if not on the pricing or the productivity, they can at least agree on that platform. 
and they could all start in a uniform location that's easily understood by everybody in the room. Uh, whereas today, you often have people who can't even connect on on what they're talking about because there's no standardization. There's there's no no one speaking the same language. Right. Hey guys, we all know that this job should be about a 1.0 MCAA. Do we all agree to that? And then we can move on from there. Or we're not at that point yet. Um, I think with the advent of more construction people from the subcontracting community now materializing with the general contractors. In other words, the general contractors are hiring people from the subs for their own pre-construction estimating. The owner's representation firms, the CM for fee firms, we've seen a huge spike um, where they're now recruiting from the subcontracting community and, um, you know, kind of rubber hits the road approach is becoming more in vogue in a lot of, in a lot of circles, especially projects that are very intense and, and they really need to be looked at hard. So people are bringing in that expertise and people are familiar with these, these right. approaches. It, okay. Aside from just the metrics and the tools, it has to be the people that have done it. They've, they've walked the walk, they've talked the talk. And they've seen the benefit. And they, exactly. They've seen the benefit. Okay. Uh, otherwise it's still to this day in, in many meetings and, and circumstances, very difficult to reconcile and discuss these projects. Okay. So it all sounds wonderful. And it sounds like what should be happening across the industry. But to play devil's advocate, why wouldn't this be happening? Are there any negative repercussions that you've seen over the years where maybe this didn't work out on one project? I'm just kind of missing why this hasn't happened yet. Have you seen that firsthand? So I think in the earlier stages of an estimating process, when you're estimating a schematic or programmatic, uh, conceptual, anything like that, you know, the published metrics lend themselves to granularity. They're very detailed. They're based down to, say, a fitting or, you know, footages of conduit. Um, so in order to generate those types of estimates, you'd really have to flesh out the scope of work. So the people involved, they would need some kind of engineering skill, a design skill to at least conceptualize what would be drawn for the facility or the application in question. So I don't know if I'd call it a negative, but you know, having these published metrics and this level of detail, it wouldn't serve you as strongly at the earliest stages uh, unless you were actually designing the project and then consequently estimating it. Uh, and the reason I say that is a lot of times the early stages, things are kind of quicker, they're dirtier. Uh, there's not as much time. Uh, possibly there's not as much fee if you're a fee for fee company. Uh, and it's just really the amount of work to get down to even use the published metrics to the it's, level, the detail level. Right. It's just okay. not always available. So I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, someone might call up and say, hey, Pete, we have an SD drawing. It's only showing some major equipment and the rest is not there. So let's say our group, you know, we have some strong people and say, well, it's not a problem. We can lay it out and it would replicate what it will likely be as design progresses. It wouldn't be exactly right, but it would be close and it would have a lot of different items that we can talk about and we can check. Well, they might say that's all fine and dandy, but it's due tomorrow and we only have a thousand dollars in fee to arrive at it. So that's a kind of instance where higher level or benchmark estimating may be more valuable or the metrics really wouldn't come in to serve. Uh, they might be too unwieldy. Um, they just it's too much that would need to be done to get you where they would provide value. And so maybe just looking at similar projects might be more advantageous or just kind of comparing it to some similar things you've done for the speed, again, and, and lack of funding, that might be the better route. So looking at projects in the same sector within the similar region um, and just kind of getting those, those benchmark numbers in that kind of situation right. would be more beneficial. And that's more common in the, in the industry overall. Um, a lot of the other firms that do what we do, 
Um, they're paying a lot more attention to benchmarking and looking at similar projects, possibly geo-modifying or chronologically modifying an older project and trying to bring it into the present. Um, and that's a point of frustration for some of the clients is that as the drawings are developing, uh, information comes available via meetings, uh, the design really starts to flesh out. Uh, some firms are still using very high-level analysis as they proceed. And with our approach, you know, like I say, if we come along and we start laying these systems out and we start taking an approach where we say, okay, some strong, experienced people can lay out piping, lay out ductwork, quantify it, uh, you know, you can get to a much closer reality to what it will be. So some people would say, oh, but it's not right. Uh, my response to that would be, well, yeah, it's it's not right, but it's close to what it's going to be. And it's also going to create a lot of questions. So if somebody put a scope of work in and says, hey, you know, we think we're going to have three chillers or, you know, et cetera, that someone would say, well, wait a minute, we were thinking about having two chillers for that project. Well, even though no chillers were drawn, the intent was understood and it was discussed at the early stages. So having all that extra detail, even at the early stages, pays dividends at the end. And as the drawing continues to flesh out and the specs become more hardened, uh, everything just comes together near the end. And so, you know, this this might not be an issue, but just kind of sitting here and listening to you talk, are there certain trades that if you didn't have your utopian dream of if the whole industry is one moving towards these these published metrics, are there certain trades that it's the most important um, or would make a huge difference if those certain trades all got on board? And, and does that have anything to do with if it's private or public sector at all? Um, I don't know. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't think the sector matters much. Public sector clients have mandated metrics at times that they request people to use or firms to use. So, and that's coming from the client. Yeah, that's actually coming from the client. So they're, you know, in some cases, they're actually ahead on that particular item. Now, whether those metrics are the ones that we would agree with, that, that's a separate question. With regard to trades, and of course, I'm biased, um, the MEP trades are, are, I always believe, you know, the most complicated in many cases. Uh, a lot of the risk, uh, they they all seem to emanate from the MEP trades. We do a lot of change order review, for example, at our organization. The predominance of them are, are MEP-related. A lot of scope gaps, errors, issues, problems. They just, uh, you know, there's a huge quantity of MEP issues. Is so, it, now, is that the complexity of the MEP trades? or? Yeah, typically, you know, if, if you look at the most complex projects, not all, but many of them, uh, the MEP is is where you would find all of your problems, so to speak, or where there's a lack of tradesmen or, you know, where a lot more time has to be spent or where a lot more money has to be spent uh, across the board. Again, I just want to stress that's not every project, but, you know, you get into your mission critical projects, your healthcare projects, your laboratory projects. When we're referring to vertical construction, your most complicated facilities, it's the MEP that drives that complication or that risk or those issues. So, for example, if you were to talk to an engineer, if he was sitting here and you said, hey, you know, John, you know, where are most of your problems coming from in these projects? He's, oh, it's HVAC or the plumbing or the, the low voltage or the electrical. You know, it seems to be very common. So I think published metrics could help everybody. I'm not familiar on the architectural side as much, which would govern or which are the strongest or which are the most commonly accepted. Um, but we do know those for, for the MEP side of the house. Okay. And so it wouldn't, the, the public versus private, you don't see has a big play. It's It's just the the MEP itself in the, the projects? Yeah, I don't see public versus private being a, a, a tremendous 
determinant. For example, if you know a subcontractor provides his estimate, um, and he's he's using Harrison and he's using MCA and he's using Smacna, and we've done the same, uh, we can talk, we can analyze, we can come to agreement quicker, more efficiently. We can speak the same language. The same can happen on a public sector project. It's really a matter of of who's using those tools and you know do they have the similar math and metrics. Wonderful. So uh, before we wrap it up, is there anything else, any lessons learned uh, over the years that you'd like to share? Or? Well, you know, part of the way that I took such an interest in this and, and I began personally analyzing this, you know, we would be called in very frequently to reconcile. I'm, again, just giving examples. And I can't even tell you how many meetings I've walked in, you know, I'd have my laptop and we have a, some cases a team of people. Um, another group would walk in a contractor, they have their multiple people and their laptops. And so, you know, we've received some of their information. They've received some of ours, possibly there's a gap. Uh, the frustration level with the client for the client, when he, he would see all these people and all this money being spent, the client really wants to understand what's going on and why wants to resolve it. That's all he really wants. They want to make informed decisions. They, they want to know that they're understanding it correctly. Um, I've gone to meetings like that where it was very, very difficult to even compare and contrast all that great work that both parties had done because they were just done in such dissimilar fashions with dissimilar metrics, dissimilar tools, or even dissimilar people. Um, I, I've actually seen people fly out for meetings uh, only to find out that with all those files, all that paperwork possibly they printed, they are having this tremendous amount of difficulty um, even coming to some kind of agreement on these items, people have, you know, certain scopes of work lumped in, in, in one section, whereas someone else has it in another section, uh, somebody has, uh, you know, plumbing lumped in with piping and, and say the metrics they're using are homegrown, but, you know, one group has equipment connections, another group has them separate. Uh, you know, all of that just kind of piles up to this, this very difficult kind of detective game of trying to sort everything out before you could even compare or contrast or discuss anything, it becomes an apples to apples exercise more so than anything. In some cases, it never even is able to be gotten apples to apples. Um, optimally, this is found out before a lot of time and money is spent. Uh, unfortunately, in some cases, it's, it's nobody compares notes early to realize there's an issue and everyone comes and everyone sits around that conference room table and that's when they realize it's, it's very difficult to even understand what each other's done. Um, and, and that's very unfortunate because there, there are these standards more or less in place. And it just must be absolutely frustrating as the client and, you know, just even as the, you know, the construction consultants coming in, how frustrating that you're spending your time trying to get to apples to apples versus just getting the project done and producing a product. Yeah. And the client can be frustrated with both of us, uh, exactly. all, all parties involved. And, and to be honest, I don't blame them. You know, I think. You know, one thing we try to do is look at the perception of all parties involved. So from the client's perspective, he's he's thinking, well, I spent all this money on this contract. I spent all this money on these engineers. I spent all this money on this, you know, CM for fee firm. And this is what I get. I, I get a bunch of guys who are telling me that they can't really, you know, reconcile the discuss they've done because of the way they've bucketed it or the metrics they've used or, or the tools or the people or the different approaches. They don't speak the same language. Uh, I could imagine and and I've seen them in some cases, express that frustration, you know, right there, live in concert, sitting in the conference room. So, Pete, are you saying that the clients are driving this change towards the, the published metrics, or what What exactly are you, are you saying with that? 
Uh, no, actually, you know, we are hired as the client's trusted advisor. So, you know, the bulk of our clients don't have a tremendous amount of kind of construction people or estimators, et cetera. Some of the larger clients do have somewhat of a team, but they're very much relying on us, um, you know, to make their informed decisions, to kind of guide them, to be that trusted advisor. I would love for, for more clients to be advocating it. Um, so what we are doing is we're kind of introducing this to our clients and we're saying this is an approach we've been overwhelmingly successful with when we communicate it. And if, you know, you can stand with us and having the contractors and subcontractors and other consultants that are working, you know, align with this process, you know, they would see the results. And those clients that have done so, they've reaped tremendous rewards. Um, and seen the benefit you know, in I, action with these, using these metrics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then it becomes the norm, hopefully down the road. And we have some clients, it is already the norm in place. It's wonderful. Huh. Well, there we go. Well, thank you, Pete, for uh, joining us today and taking some time on your day to sit down with us. So hope it was beneficial to all those that listened and we'll have you back soon. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of Construction Insiders, we encourage you to check out our website at www.ccorpusa.com. That's C-C-O-R-P-U-S-A.com, where you can find our full knowledge library under the Insights tab. It's all great stuff. We're really passionate about it, and we hope you'll check it out. Thanks for listening.